0: just the humidity 76%. The news from RTHK.
1: Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Jim Gould and your guest presenter this morning is Mike Rouse. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Jim. Monday, Back on Mondays. <laughs> today we're talking about efforts to tackle child abuse following further allegations of alleged mistreatment of students at school. Um, in one incident, police are investigating claims that the owner of a tutorial centre in Kowloon indecently assaulted two brothers aged 9 and 12 and are checking to see whether other students may have been abused. A separate case involves an 8-year-old at a school in Yi, who reported had a large bruise on his leg uh, these uh, come ahead of the expected implementation next year of new measures requiring professionals in the social welfare education and healthcare sectors to report suspected cases of child abuse to the authorities after 945 we'll look at the latest study on the homeless uh, in Hong Kong and measures to help. Let us know what you think. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, uh, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3, email us at backchat at or call us on two three three eight eight two six six. That's 233 266. Joining us uh, now on the line, uh, we have uh, three guests for our main topic. We have uh, Priscilla Loy, who's uh, former chair of the Hong Kong Committee of Children's Rights and former member of the Hong Kong Commission on Children. And uh, also Dr. Amelia Lee, who's Associate Dean for Programme Development at the Head of uh, Early Childhood and Elementary Education at the School of Continuing Education at the Baptist University. And also uh, Carol Sito, CEO of Save the Children Hong Kong. Um, good morning to you all. Perhaps uh, Priscilla Loy, we could uh, start with you. Good morning.
2: Good morning,
1: good morning. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, so, uh, the, the mandatory reporting of a child abuse bill, as it's called, uh, was introduced into LegCo uh, in June. Um, it, it does what it says it, it does in the title. It'll, uh, it'll require uh, certain professional, professionals in social welfare, education, uh, doctors and nurses and so on to report suspected cases of child abuse. Um, how much of a help do you think this is going to be in tackling the problem?
2: I think it helps to um, draw the baseline in our society, making a very a loud call for participation, for help and protection to our children at an early stage. Mm. And, of course, it's not the only measure that is needed. Uh, We do need proactive preventive measures put in place. As we have observed in the recent cases, um, some of the uh, personnel who are working closely with children have not been included in a proposed legislation like this one you're mentioning, mm. so I think we really need to be um, seriously aware and pay attention to um the entire community because children at different um, places are being not well treated, but to an extent of being abused. so uh, early in uh, early intervention, identification intervention, And prevention is really of utmost importance.
3: Yeah, good morning, Miss Lloyd. This um, is sending an important signal, then, um, to the whole community.
2: Yes, yes, I I think so, to the whole community. But um, the the legislation um, in hand is um, is asking or uh, mandating a group of um, professionals uh, to bring these cases. Forward um, right. to designated personnel, uh, but there are other groups such as the um, what we are talking about, the tutors, interest groups, and so on and so forth, who have not been included in this particular legislation. But it wouldn't, wouldn't say that, um, that these people um, that have not been included should not should do nothing. Yeah. Right. So you are right in saying that the legislation is calling out to the entire community to wake up and do something, do more what happens uh, proactive if, actions.
3: What happens if you're walking along the corridor of your public housing estate and you, you hear a child being beaten? What should you do?
2: Uh, in fact, uh, all along for the um, hotlines and um, NGOs uh, who are providing services in the area of child protection, uh, we have, or they have, receive calls from general public, from neighbours, from relatives, because they observed children being um, battered or being ill-treated. So the, what you're referring to, uh, if we are a member of the public, and if we observe that um, the situation requires outside help, yeah, then I, I think there are available services that we need to be informed and we need to refer to. But of course, I must raise that we need to respect the, um, the red line, the baseline, the privacy of the families. So we should be very careful in bringing those cases to necessary parties um, to understand the risks are there or to suspect, to have reasonable suspicion.
1: Mm. OK, uh, Dr Amelia Lee, good morning. Good morning. Um, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, so yes. this, uh, this reporting requirement would apply uh, if it was uh, felt that there was uh, uh, reasonable grounds to suspect that a child uh, has been suffering or is in real risk of suffering serious harm. Um, h- how easy or difficult or problematic is it going to be for, for anybody to make that judgment whether, whether there is serious harm involved and, and who defines it?
4: Oh, it is hard to uh, define the situation because not every one of us has the training and uh, sensitivity about this area. So I think uh, the mandatory reporting uh, uh, mechanism is only governed to certain professions because they have that kind of knowledge. So for other, uh, same as uh, what Pacella said, I agree with her that uh, there is a difficult uh, line, uh, it is difficult to draw a line. So uh, uh, there is a case of over-reporting. Uh, if uh, some people may hurt a, a child cry, uh, actually we do not know the reason. Maybe it's just because of illness or other serious issue. So uh, this is hard to draw the line. I, I agree that it is difficult. So uh, for the professional, uh, actually uh, throughout their training, uh, the frameworks have already included that kind of topic uh, throughout their studies. So uh they have the knowledge and judgment, so that is the reason but uh i I do agree we need to um uh, uh, promote it and uh, have a, a, a an awareness among the whole society so uh but the way of doing is still a problematic and uh, we ne- need to do it. Step by step, not at a one 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 step forward. So uh, we need to promote that kind of message among uh, the community.
3: This, yes. this is good morning, This is a very sensitive yeah. area, isn't it?
4: Yes. Yeah. Very sensitive. Uh, when, I agree.
3: When you've got a doctor in in emergency at the hospital, and someone comes in, can be uh, obviously applies to uh, adults as well, but especially a child. Um, the doctor can maybe tell this wound uh, was done in an odd way. It, was, it wasn't yeah. an accident of somebody falling off the swing in the, in the park or something. And you can understand those cases would be relatively clear-cut. But yeah. other cases would be much less... There'd be much less certainty about them, wouldn't there? Yeah,
4: I, I agree. So uh, sometimes uh, among our uh, teaching professions, uh, we have a debate. Sometimes uh, maybe the family, the parents may have some, some action to discipline because some child may be very uh, naughty. Some, some may need to be disciplined. But that is a line to uh, difficult to draw. So I think the medical doctor have a clear guideline. But uh, the teachers, they have the sensitivities by observing uh, children's uh, emotions and also parents as well. Uh, parents actually is the um, gatekeeper. Because they uh, interact with the child every day, they take care of uh, their uh, uh, physical conditions and also the nutrition and food, so they may have the uh, uh, first uh, step to know the problem.
3: Right. Yeah. But they're, yeah. the, they're the gatekeeper in the sense that their children are also interacting with other adults in other situations. But they, yeah. they're not the gatekeeper for themselves, are they?
4: Yeah, this is difficult. So uh, for the very little young children, we advise the adults, maybe the family members, uh, 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 actually uh, spend more time with the kids. Especially, they should have a very uh, trustworthy helper at home or uh, 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 extended family members if parents are working. Uh, so, uh, uh, shorten the time to leave the kids alone. So, uh, we need to train the kids to have some sensitivity of protecting themselves, their body, or any verbal abuse. They, they need to, uh, to have the sensitivity to let the parents know. So, that is a kind of training because they model the parents how to interact with people. Then they will gradually uh, develop the sensitivity and awareness. Mm.
3: Of course, there are two... Yeah distinct trends aren't there or strands in in Mm. in europe uh Mm. the old scottish expression is i think spare the rod and spoil the child um but at the same time some countries are legislating that no uh physical punishment can be applied to children Uh, is hong kong ready for something
4: like that uh actually uh, Maybe uh, let us uh, answer well, these well, question.
1: Okay, sure. <laughs> we, we, well, we also have Carol Zito with us, CEO yeah, 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 of Save yeah, the yeah. Children, who we we want to bring uh, Carol into the conversation. Uh, w- would you like to have a go at that one? Carol Zito? good morning.
5: Hi, good morning. I think when it comes to uh, uh, banning uh, corporal punishment or physical and humiliating uh, punishment in Hong Kong, uh, for us to Save the Children, we're all for it. I think it's a fine line as uh, the two ladies have, have mentioned, you know, what is, um, uh, what is abuse and what is rough handling. Um, I think in, in, in Hong Kong, there have been uh, uh, numerous cases already in recent years. The child abuse cases, you have seen it shot up over 50% in the last two years. Uh, I think the, the bill that you mentioned before about mandatory reporting is a good thing. It's a very, very good step forward. But over 60 countries around the world actually have banned corporal punishment in all settings. Uh, in Hong Kong, only you know, uh, certain uh, childcare institutions and in certain settings that is banned. Uh, I don't see why not that Hong Kong can also adopt this total ban of corporal punishment uh, in all settings, including the home, because that would send a very strong signal to the society that that's not tolerated. Any kind of harm to children cannot be tolerated.
3: Do you think our society and community is ready for that?
5: I think it will take some time. Uh, I think it, it, it is cultural. You know, for us, we, we interact with a lot of uh, uh, children and parents in our work. Uh, you know, especially these few years, we, we see that many parents are very, very stressed. If you look at the risk factors of why child abuse happens, a lot of times the parents are without the support system. They feel the financial strain at home. Um, there are many different risk factors. Uh, I think it will take time, but it doesn't mean that we cannot get there.
3: Do you think this increased reporting uh, has been is because of greater awareness or greater inc- number of incidents?
5: Uh, for me, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, I think, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, the the case of the five-year-old girl uh, and then the, the parents got sentenced, uh, life sentence, uh, that, you know, really created a you know, public outcry. And then following, there were a few more cases. And there was also another, you know, case in the residential home where many staff were arrested. So definitely... A, and in the public side, there's definitely a, a heightened level of awareness in the society that you know people are maybe more aware to, to report. But at the same time, these couple of years really, really have been very difficult. Uh, uh, we have a, a declining economy in Hong Kong. The level of stress on the on the parents are actually you know very very high. So I can also see that uh, the certain different risk factors is contributing. To the rise right. in uh, incidents,
3: would that be related to the lockdown and COVID?
5: Yes, we have seen it around the world as well. Actually, we have done global surveys uh, that shows actually the lockdown, the you know the the school closures with kids being at home and you know parents also you know losing their jobs. All that pressure is actually contributing to an increased risk of child abuse uh, at home.
1: Uh, Priscilla Loy, uh, you mentioned earlier one, one of these latest uh, uh, alleged uh, cases uh, took place at a tutorial school. Do you, do you think the, the, the scope of the legislation could or should be widened?
2: Yes, before I answer that, I would like to go back to what Dr Lee and um, uh, 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 Carol has mentioned. First of all, I think the point that I would like to put forward is that child protection as a mission as uh, an important uh, area of concern, not only for the family, but for the entire community, has been raised and advocated in the past 40-some some years. So it's not a new message, it's not a new thing, because, as you mentioned earlier on, child abuse cases is found everywhere. There are numerous cases uh, popping up that we can uh, prove to the community that it's not isolated incidents that we all need to do something. And the second point is our community is doing something. Uh, what I mean by community is our residents, our people in the public, they are trying the best to do. For example, in the recent um, residential institution, that is, it's the neighbour who observed and cannot tolerate. They, they're not a very um, hasty reporting, but they have observed for a certain period of time and with evidence that they cannot stop. They refuse to be bystanders. So I think the same happened to our neighbors, our general public in the community. If children who come across, there were cases of the um, supermarket colleagues, workers, who observed a child in desperate situation, uh, but not identified in schools or elsewhere. But this particular general public is caring enough to report the case. So I'm saying that it's difficult sometimes, but it's not impossible. So the collective responsibility needs to be supported by legislation, by our education, formal and informal. Um, And I would hope to see the policy address coming up to include a child perspective and this collective responsibility and the importance of such a culture being built in Hong Kong for a really good Hong Kong story.
3: Mm. Uh, whenever you have uh, discipline arrangements like this, I mean, a legal mm. responsibility on people to do certain things. Is there a danger, to, uh, however small, of um, mischievous use or misuse of the reporting
2: system and complaint system? There could be. But you see, for the past 40 years or more, we haven't used legislation to, to sort of set up the baseline. Of course, self-disciplinary kind of move or decision is our long-term goal, and even for us to train our children. But you can see that if we want to reach a self-discipline uh, uh, kind of um, culture in the community, there needs to be steps taken. And I think we've waited far too long for too many cases uh, of tr- tragic children being killed or being badly uh, shattered uh, we, we hesitate to say we allow the situation to happen like that, but we haven't tried hard enough. Even for our professionals, we ha- we may have identified, but we thought the other other actions can be taken, or then we delay such help to right. these children. Mm. So now I think the government has seen the need in bringing up such legislation, right. and mm. in fact they're only calling for serious cases to be brought forward early enough Mm. and if we have really done uh, enough actions we will not be afraid
4: of legislation as such
3: dr lee have we been a bit slow
4: yeah yeah Uh, okay so uh, i agree with priscilla we need to make a call for the whole community despite the fact that it is difficult but the awareness and the protection of child is very important
1: yeah does the uh, sisters does the reporting system as it is at the moment? I mean, does it work efficiently? I mean, uh, Pr- Priscilla Loy mentioned, uh, like, like a supermarket worker, for instance, if she sees uh, something that looks like it may involve child abuse. I mean, I mean, would would that person necessarily know uh, who to speak to, what number to call? I mean, is there is you know is there a hotline to call? Oh,
4: I think it is uh, not. Uh, difficult to to bring the attentions to the relevant people because uh, actually uh, the neighbor or the supermarket uh, staff they can call police, then they will be guided to which line. But at least I think police will handle this. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm.
3: is there enough publicity of this uh, hotline?
4: uh maybe uh priscilla know a little bit about maybe a carol know the number of the hotline but uh, for my area i may not be uh that expert but i know that a police will um, uh will take care of it if we call the police so this is a criminal case if mm-hmm. a child is being abused mm-hmm. so they will put investigations yeah
2: mm-hmm. well this is a very important point being raised that is to make it a point for all parties to know the roles and responsibility, not to step on people's shoes or or march into people's family without a good reason, but when they need to do so, they need to know who to turn to and where to turn to. This needs to be made very clear with different channels. Now, with the social media being so active and everywhere, uh, those fake calls are calling every day, but the, the, the necessary information and the necessary channels needs to be made very clear for people and that's one thing but the second thing is for people who are making calls who are contacting there are are many who would like to do something about the children but when they call the phones didn't get through or when they call to the some of the parties they're being referred from one party to another that's my personal experience while working with families working with children um, in the past, but also recently. Yeah, though have retired for decades, but people still know that we are in the field. So ask me how to get through to some um, responsible or relevant professionals. They cannot get through, and they're being sometimes referred from one stop to another. I I think think those are the things that we need to address and to empower the community uh, uh, to be able to do something swiftly and rightly.
3: Because there are different NGOs uh, f- circling around this area, but and, and a lot of people will be reluctant to report to the police. Um, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so do we need to centralise and have one number if you suspect a child may be being abused? By all means, give actually, a call.
2: There,
4: actually, there are
2: two. One yes. is an NGO hotline, and the other one is a social welfare department hotline. Right. So to a certain extent, it has been centralised. But the thing is, if you centralise to only two points, uh, first, to make known to everybody, and secondly, these lines have to go through to some responsible parties. So when people call, somebody needs to be at the yes. other end.
3: Because a, a lot of co- our calls these days, are, uh, certainly in the commercial world, are sent to call centres in other parts of the world.
5: Mm-hmm. Yes,
3: mm-hmm. that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carol
1: C2, yeah, what, what's your experience there?
5: Um, I think uh, you mentioned, uh, you asked actually whether we're too slow. Uh, uh, this new bill, I, I mentioned, is a very good first step, you know, for this mandatory reporting of child abuse cases. But if you look at the bill, we are actually making the individuals liable um Uh, You know, three types of professionals, the social workers, the teachers, and also the medical professionals. Uh, But what you just touched on is very important because at the individual level, you know, there is this law. uh, But at the institutional level, the system strengthening is very, very important. Uh, You talked about the reporting uh, just now, and that's only one thing. I think what is missing right now is that there's no, no regulation that actually... Uh, uh mandate the the schools and then any child safeguard uh, a child uh, phasing organization to have such a policy for child safeguarding so first you have to have that policy in place then you need to do the all the training with the staff and then have the monitoring and recording system in place so you really need to look at you know all these institutions from a system per, uh, perspective to prevent uh, harm to children mm.
1: mm-hmm. Okay, Um, right. Uh, At this point, I think we have to say uh, thank you very much to uh, Dr. Amelia Lee. I believe you you have to uh, leave us at uh, 9.30. Uh, Amelia Lee, uh, Associate Dean for Program Development and Head of uh, Early Childhood and Elementary Education. Uh, That's at uh, Hong Kong Baptist University. Uh, We've just got a few uh, more seconds before we uh, break for a new summary and and then a couple of government announcements. So we're also going to talk uh, um, after we come back about uh, the uh, availability of uh, places um, uh, because the authorities uh, are setting up a new residential childcare centre which will be run by the Social Welfare Department. That will uh, uh, come into effect um, next year. So... Um, We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, Priscilla Loy and Carol Tito, please uh, stay with us. A quick look at the weather. It's going to be mainly fine and very hot during the day with a top temperature of around 34 degrees. The outlook, uh, a few showers in the next couple of days and the wind's going to build up. It will be windier offshore and on high ground. At the moment, the standby signal number one is in effect, uh, as is the very hot weather warning. It's currently 30 degrees and the relative humidity is at 74%.
0: And now Ben Che has a new summary a former assistant director at the observatory says the compact size of Typhoon Saula and its angle to the coastline meant it did little harm to Hong Kong. Leung Wing-mo, a spokesman for the Hong Kong Meteorological Society, said Saola weakened appreciably as it neared the SAR and it didn't produce a storm a strong storm surge because it moved parallel to the coastline. Meanwhile, the observatory says the standby signal number 1 will remain in force for most of the day as tropical cyclone Haikui moves across the Taiwan Strait. It said Haikui was expected to make landfall tomorrow over the coast of eastern Guangdong to southern Fujian. And the South African President Cyril Ramaphosa says an inquiry led by a judge has found no evidence that his country provided arms to Russia. Mr. Ramaphosa said the allegation that a Russian ship had collected a cargo of weapons from a naval base near Cape Town last December was not true. I'll have more news at 10.00. Do you have enough savings to support a longer retirement?
3: The HKMC Annuity Plan offers you a 100% guaranteed monthly income for life that pays you regardless of how long the journey is. Get paid from the next month upon successful application. Persons age 60 or above are eligible to apply. Call 251 to learn more. The product involves risk. The plan is subject to terms and conditions. The bank wants me to click this link to confirm a transfer.
0: It says my membership points are about to expire. Do I need to click this link
3: and input my credit card information to redeem rewards? Banks and
6: major merchants have committed not to send hyperlinks via instant electronic messages to ask for personal and credit card information. Don't be tricked. The Hong Kong Monetary Authority reminds you, protect your personal digital keys. Beware of fraudulent links.
2: You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 23388
5: 266 and have your say
1: and welcome back to back chats with mike rouse and me jim gould and this morning uh now we're going to continue our conversation about child protection and measures to uh, tackle child abuse uh, we have uh, with us our guests uh, priscilla Loy, who's a former chair of the hong kong committee of children's rights and former member of the hong kong commission on children and also with us uh, carol Tito, of uh, ceo of save the children uh, hong kong um Uh, Priscilla Loy, uh, as I mentioned before the news, uh, so uh, in anticipation of um, increased uh, numbers of cases being reported after this new legislation takes effect next year. So the Social Welfare Department uh, will be uh, running a new residential childcare centre. I understand it'll have 48 service places. It can look after about 190 children each year on average. Uh, uh, I think you were saying that might not be enough. Is that right? No, what
2: I'm saying is that the measures following up with such um, mandatory reporting mm. needs to be more wider. Um, mm. Of course, the prevention side, I hope the community will see the significance. And also, while um, encouraging reporting, the need for placement would increase. So, it's positive that the government constructive that the centre as such is being sort of made available. But the message is that For the current, if not um, the new measures, the the current support for children who require (coughs) services such as residential care is in a larger number. So if you follow through the residential uh, childcare centres, there are waiting lists. There are people who would need the service even without, say, mandatory reporting being put in place. So whether the kind of support is sufficient, we really need to see and need to wait. But of course, uh, uh, residential care and services is not the only way out. There are other ways, Um, one of which is the important foster care services. And as we raised um, in the past, and I would like to raise it again now, I think it's an important area. I know that the government is working towards that, but more action, uh, more support needs to be done. And the message needs to be wider and to welcome people who are willing to take children in, the at-risk ones, the traumatic ones, um, and the more stable ones.
3: But there is already institutional care available from organisations like the Polo and Cook. Yes. What will this new government facility add? Pardon? What will this new government facility add to that?
2: Um... You mean the residential um, centres? What? How will it add to that? Yes. I think it's a supplementary and adjoining in terms of uh, keeping uh, the children in the institution and providing the necessary help to the child and to the families. And the the statutory kind of involvement is, of course, different from the non-statutory ones because there may be statutory rules and, and requirements from courts or from the, the degree serious degree of cases reflected. So, in terms of that, some of the children may be kept in that center. So, I need to find out from the government and also the, the NGOs. They have to share roles and responsibility. But what I'm saying that that is only one one kind of support and service to right. keep the children. Yeah,
3: because I think the. Uh Care in other families normally mm-hmm. follows a period of time in an institution, doesn't it?
2: Um, what I've just referred to is foster care. Yes. Uh, in, in some other countries like um, them, the, their foster care um, area is much wider. They have very short-term foster care for emergency cases. They have longer-term foster care or or sometimes really extensive period for uh, children under different um, uh, need. So I think Hong Kong needs to draw good practices and experiences from elsewhere and then encourage our community. We, we have a, an aging community in our society. Um, how, however, the life expectancy is long and healthy, which I think is one area that we need to look into and to mobilize the strengths in our community to help the weak um, right. And in this particular case, our children are vulnerable bodies.
3: Uh, Carol, do you think we can do better with the uh, drawing the community to help with foster care?
5: Uh, in terms of foster care, I, I think I'm less uh, knowledgeable about the, the residential home setting. But I think as a community, there is so much more we can do. Uh, for us, we always stress prevention is better than cure. I think uh, as a community, we really should promote more and support positive parenting. Uh, Parenting without violence. So using nonviolent means uh, with a, you know, really put a band on physical and humiliating punishment. Uh, I think, you know, when we look at a lot of child abuse cases, um, sometimes we we see that a lot of times parents don't have that uh, parenting skills. Uh, They're stressed. They have, you know, already a lot of. Uh, uh, problems at home, and then they lack a support system and the parenting skills, and that's when these uh, tragic incidents happen. So, from a prevention point of view, there, you know, we can do much more on positive parenting education, and then also for uh, safeguarding, all the institutions, and as I mentioned, really should have a child safeguarding policy and make sure that the, tra- uh, the staff are trained, uh, not just one off, but regularly. Uh, res- freshman training on how to prevent harm to children and set up that culture.
3: Right. Priscilla, I was intrigued by something you said in the first half of the show about even though you've been retired for quite a long time people still Mm -hmm. approach you uh, Mm -hmm. for help and advice in this area. That rather suggests to me that the other mechanisms we've been talking about are, are not really working as well as they should.
2: Um. Uh, let me see how I should respond to it <laughs> diplomatically. Uh, yes, <laughs> as I mentioned um, earlier on, that I think there are a lot of strengths in our community, but we have we have confronted a lot of challenges, particular in the recent years, particular at the current current situation, and people have been talking about difficulties, difficulties, impossible difficulties, but what, what I, and whether the society is ready. And you've asked a question whether the society is is ready. And I think it's important for us to lead the society, to help the society to be ready, and to help to identify the strength and the necessary going forward way. And the government will have to work hand in hand with those who, the experienced ones, the dedicated ones, the passionate ones. And, And in fact, there's a wealth of knowledge and experience in our community and I hope we'll be able to retain them instead of them also drifting away or, or migrating or going to elsewhere. If our community is, is um, able to treasure them, to, to respect their experience and their passion and their dedication, they can do a lot to help the community. And, and another thing is I think the being able to um, pilot and proof out and then to suggest legislation it is a careful move so it has taken us a long long time to suggest some baseline and in fact some other overseas uh, proactive countries have long been drastically reviewing all their child related laws to reflect the essence of the UN convention on the rights of the child so they all want the best for our children the best interest is not just talking but in legislation in action education yeah. and for us parents we have a lot of limitations. We cannot pretend that we know everything or we know the best way in, in, in rearing or supporting our children. Right. I must admit, we have a lot to learn, and the society needs to help. We need to help. We need to learn from our different measures, different ways. But our, our community, our government, our policies need to be made in such a way that there are channels, there are effective ways. In our universities, our schools, yeah, even for primary schools and kindergartens, all through the formal education. I think the kind of collective responsibility caring, nonviolent, non punitive. Non punitive is not indulgence. We have to learn to strike the balance. So we are putting down the rod, but we have to take up something else. So teach us to do that, support us, demonstrate the positive and constructive and evidence-based side, so the community will be able to improve better mm. for the better of our children.
3: Is this in part at least a coordination problem?
2: Absolutely, that's very important. Mm. Say um, the multidisciplinary aspects, meaning the healthcare, the social welfare, the education, and so on and so forth, and the commercial sector, the non ngos needs to work together. It's not just one one ed or one program, but we all need to join hands in, in maximizing the limited resources. So don't let the limitation or the difficulties bar us from going forward. Yeah, mm. there are other communities who are also busy, who may be, say, the uh, 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 lack of resources, but we need to overcome these challenges. Please help us to do so. Mm.
1: Car- Carol Zito, is there enough cooperation between different agencies on this?
5: I think uh, uh, that we can always do better. I absolutely agree with Priscilla. Uh, everybody has a role to play uh, for us NGOs and for, for the government, the legislators, the schools, the uh, community, the parents. I think you know this bill that is so important that is being discussed at, at LegCo that at the center of this bill is the best interest of the child. And we need to keep that in mind. And we all have a role to play. I know that when if the bill does come, I know a, a lot of frontline workers will be nervous because, as you know, they become personally liable. You have to report and all that. But, you know, we have to believe in the system and make sure that coordination in, is in place, because at the end of the day, we want to make sure any any suspected child abuse cases are being reported and followed through, mm-hmm. and we can prevent Harm uh,
1: to children. Okay, I, I mean, uh, another important factor is uh, as part of this uh, mandatory reporting regime, uh, the administration has promised to provide uh, training for, for the uh, relevant uh, uh, professionals to, to, to help in the early identification and reporting of child abuse cases. What's, what sort of training do you think that should involve?
5: I think right now what is uh, said in the bill, in the proposed bill, is only uh, two things. One is actually they're going to have an online course uh, to teach the frontline workers how to detect, uh, how do you tell, you know, uh, what is an abuse, physical harm, sexual abuse, and so forth. And then the other one is the reporting mechanism, you know, how do you report and all that. Uh, So far what is mentioned in this bill is only these two things, but I think there's so much more we need to do. And it's not a one-time training, and it's refresher training. Uh, From an institutional level, everyone needs to have that child safeguarding policy. Uh, So all staff need to be able to detect and also report and monitor. Mm.
2: Uh,
1: And uh, is that merely the sort of physical condition of a child, or does that involve also a psychological, uh, emotional state?
5: It's both, actually. I think uh, uh, you know, for this child abuse, we're talking about physical abuse, we talk about sexual abuse, also psychological abuse and neglect. So I think uh, physical uh, harm may be easier to detect uh, because you can see bruises and all that in the bo- on the body. Uh, but sexual abuse and, and psychological abuse, you really need to detect the symptoms. You may see withdrawal symptoms from children. You may see sudden behavioral changes. And these are the things that you need to look out for.
3: So the training is necessary to help people recognize those symptoms?
5: Absolutely.
1: OK, all right, well, thank you uh, very much to both of you for uh, joining our, our programme this morning. Uh, we've uh, come to the end of the uh, time we have uh, for this part of the uh, discussion. Uh, thank you very much t- to Priscilla Loy, uh, former chair of the Hong Kong Committee of Children's Rights and former member of the Hong Kong Commission on Children. And, um, and then just now uh, you heard from Carol Sito, CEO of Save the Children Hong Kong. 95
4: years of Public Service Broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. Hello, audience of RTHK. I'm Paul Chan, the Financial Secretary. This year marks the 95th anniversary of RTHK. I wish RTHK every success in starting a new chapter for Public Service Broadcasting. 95 years of public service broadcasting. 95. Stay, tuned.
5: Stay tuned with Hong Kong. And for
1: the final part of this morning's programme, we're going to be turning our attention to um, a recent uh, survey on uh, homelessness uh, in Hong Kong, um, and w- which found that almost half of the people uh, who are living in a homeless condition um, are also living with uh, the uh, <coughs> the excuse me the condition known as PTSD, post-traumatic uh, stress disorder. Um, we're joined on the, the line to talk about this now by uh, Dr. Bess Lam, who's assistant professor at the Department of Counseling and Psychology at Hong Kong Shue Yan University. Good morning to you. Good morning everyone good morning, morning. I'd just give the listeners a, a little bit more background. Just uh, bear with me uh, for a moment uh, sure. because your department uh, uh, along with uh, the NGO uh, impact Hong Kong conducted this study i think uh, eighty nine people experiencing homelessness aged between uh, twenty one to seventy eight were interviewed uh, uh, over a seven month period and um, um, is that correct? Yeah, it is uh, correct. and and then uh, okay, and then so nearly sixty uh, percent uh, reported having experienced uh, physical, emotional, or sexual abuse, which are known triggers of the condition uh, PTSD. So, um, what right. w- w- what are your sort of thoughts, uh, conclusions uh, on the findings of your study?
6: Right. Uh, thank you for asking. Uh, it's actually uh, quite. Um surprising in a way, but then it's still consistent with the uh, uh, previous studies uh, uh, overseas uh, about the statistics of the PTSD symptoms in homeless uh, individuals. Um, it's, quite, uh, it's really sad, but then uh, it's really uh, a requiring attention uh, from the uh, public and from the government uh, to change or to revise the social policy, uh, the public social policy to uh, help these people not only uh, that their uh, their financial issues are in trouble not only that their housing uh, issues uh, not only that they have difficulties in housing but also psychologically um, that requires quite much um, more attention from the government and the general public um, so we we would really uh, like to um Draw the attention from the public or the government to support or to provide more psychological needs um, uh, uh, support and also uh, the uh, holistic uh, support, uh, including the support of employment and then um, social support uh, to these people so that they can get back, uh, uh, get their feet back to the community.
3: Right. Uh, good morning, Professor uh, Dr. Lam. There's um, a difference, isn't there, between being homeless, i.e., sleeping in the street or Inadequately or inadequate housing in the sense of uh, Mm. very small and subdivided units and so on. Do I take it that most of your study was with respect to the first category, people without uh, any sort of housing at all?
6: Uh, Actually, actually some of them are uh, getting some sort of housing already. But uh, we didn't really uh, have the uh, exact statistics in hand right now, but then uh, some of them. Uh, are on the way, uh, on the uh, track to get uh, their uh, public housing or for, uh, through social worker or the NGO. But then uh, I, uh, but we, we, we have uh, come to realize that even though they uh, got the chance to uh, the, to live in the public housing, they didn't want to uh, do that. Um, it's really um, uh, mo- mostly because of their psychological needs or uh, their, uh, yeah, there are some... Um, uh, previous experiences that they they don't want, really want to uh, uh, right. live in the,
3: uh, public housing. yeah I I've, maybe I should confess at this point that I'm president of the street sleepers shelter society oh, okay. and have <laughs> been on the committee there for uh, 40 years but the right. the problem we found we we have mm-hmm. surveyed our I hesitate to call them tenants because they don't pay any right. rent we, we provide shelter free of charge but the yeah. We did find a significant percentage um, have, a, mm-hmm. have mental issues. Um, right. And another, and there's some overlap here, but another significant yeah. percentage uh, have drug addiction issues.
6: Right.
3: And in fact, that they're not mutually, there is some overlap. Some people have both. Mm-hmm. Right. What can, what can the government do better with respect mm-hmm. to people who, who are affected like this?
6: Right, right. Uh, it, 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 it's not. Uh, it's quite uh, um, uh, what we have uh, commonly found uh, in homeless individuals that they might have different various uh, mental health uh, issues or problems uh, all over the world. That is, that's not only applicable to Hong Kong. Uh, but then, um, uh, like what I just mentioned, um, that the government should provide more uh, holistic. Um, support not only the uh, uh, stability in housing, not only like a uh, supported employment, but also shows so- social support uh, and empowerment. Uh, in these people, like community services uh, provided to them, so that they have these uh, the, the significant others to support them. Because we have found that sixty percent of these uh, individuals that we interviewed didn't get uh, any uh, or uh, not uh, insufficient uh, social support, peer support from the others. Uh, they didn't have anyone to contact, even they have emergency or they have any uh, things that they uh, that that are troubling them. So it's really essential to. Uh, set up, for example, like ambassador or like a better uh, community services or uh, in general or a general public and more education or education, public education should be provided uh, so that uh, the, the general public uh, with, uh, the, the stigma and stereotype should, uh, could be reduced.
3: Right. One of the things we've noticed is that mm-hmm. um, attendance or uh, taking up residence, advantage of the places is... is Seasonal, in the sense, uh, mm. it, it can be geared to the weather. That right. a lot of it, it was a surprise to me. But mm. a lot of people actually would rather sleep on a mm. rooftop or under a flyover than go into right. a shelter unless right. the weather is extreme. Mm. So it, it right. does vary, which rather suggests that they they're very independent characters. Mm. Um, and uh, some have have been proactively approached I mean we don't actually do the pre- proactive approaching But there are right. NGOs that do I think the St Barnabas uh, Society and people like that Proactively right. approach uh, street sleepers and, and find that no, uh, thank you for coming to see me But I don't want right. your service
6: Right, right yeah, that, that's what we have heard from these um, individuals uh, who were interviewed as well. They didn't really want me, um, the essential part that they need uh, might not be housing, might not be a shelter. Uh, it's more like a psychological need. For example, uh, if they are uh, troubling uh, troubled by the PTSD symptoms, they wouldn't really want to uh, get in touch with people. They uh, they want their uh, really uh, uh, like individual space, like like rooftop or like under like uh, in the park or something like that. So it, it's really uh, the psychological needs that should be taken care of uh, in, uh, in addition.
1: In addition to housing, or like other services. Yeah, just the, 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 yeah I was just going to say that the the problem of uh, homelessness uh, in Hong Kong, uh, in terms of the size of it, it's not it's not big compared with, for Ooh. instance, other other cities like I don't know, like right. L- London or San Francisco right. or something like yeah. that. And 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 actually, I was also reading that the the actual Ooh. number of registered sleep. Street sleepers uh, uh, had fallen um, uh, in in the twelve months to March. It's currently about uh, one thousand four hundred forty. Um, I, I mean, ov- obviously, for for those people themselves, uh, uh, there are very serious uh, issues involved. But do you do you see any kind of improvement in the situation?
6: Uh, well, from our side, uh, actually, uh, the, the, uh, the NGO, the social workers that I work with uh, closely with the uh, uh, homeless individuals, um, they uh, expressed that it's actually my it, it might, there might be a slight uh, a drop, but then uh, it's not improving. Or well, uh, although the rate of homelessness is not so big in Hong Kong when compared to like U.S. or like other cities in the world, but. Um, because uh, the, the stereotype and stigma and the densely populated uh, community in Hong Kong, it's really uh, detrimental. Like the stereotype stigma uh, uh, to, towards these people will be uh, even bigger and uh, even worse uh, when compared to other cities. So this requires some attention and uh, uh, some education.
3: Yeah. One, of, one of the things, uh, one of the other features of the situation in Hong Kong is that there's virtually no children sleeping in the street unlike London or some of the big Australian cities. I I remember when we had a a child, very rare case of of a child coming in with a mother to a shelter. When we reported to the social welfare Welfare department the system went into overdrive. Uh, There was shock, literally a sort of bureaucratic shock. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> this could have even happen A particular case was an overnight stay For one child with mother uh, And right. the problem solved the next day So that oh. is another feature But I, I think what worries me And uh, studies of this are PTSD uh, people in the States Especially oh. former veta- veterans and so on oh. um, There's right. a higher chance and, uh, of suicide and self-damage oh. Right Right um right. that really requires a quite a comprehensive uh, mm. approach to the to right. the individual very staff intensive
6: mm. mm. yeah yeah i agree and actually uh well uh, because uh, uh th- some of them actually uh uh reflected that they um, didn't have any uh like family members uh, uh living family members uh social support or like um uh, and uh, it's really um it, even if they have any like psychological physical needs, uh they they have no one to contact like unless uh, uh, like social workers, she reach out to them, uh, uh, so on and so forth, and um, so it's really um, uh, something that we should uh, pay attention to. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder what there's a lot of people who mm-hmm. want to do good and are active in yes. this area. Right. Um, do they need more training or help mm-hmm. in, in their activities? Who can yeah. give that?
6: Right, I, I agree, uh, because, you know, like Hong Kong situation, the psychiatric services, uh, it's, right, really lacking, right, uh, in general, no, no matter, like, in what kind of population, uh, in Hong Kong. But, um, so I, I would suggest to provide more, uh, community, uh, supported services, like through, uh, training, training this. Uh, social workers or uh, trained uh, counselors uh, in the community because we have so many uh, counselors in hong kong that uh we really uh uh they think would could be a great help uh, like those two students trained by our department there's a lot uh, every year uh going to the uh, community they uh, could be tra- uh, uh, give, having the intensive training uh if they are working in these uh po- uh population
1: Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much for uh, speaking to us uh, and explaining that. Uh, uh, That was uh, Dr. Bess Lam, Assistant Professor at the Department of Counseling and Psychology at uh, Hong Kong Xuyan University. Uh, Thanks to our listeners. Thanks very much to you, Mike. Good to be back on Monday, Jim. (laughs) It's good to see you. Um, We've got a new summary coming up, followed by a brunch with Noreen.